So what's my future? You don't have one. I see you, but you can't see me. Welcome to the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights podcast. This episode is part two of Halloween Horror Nights 18, Reflections of Fear. I am Matt, and joining me are my co-hosts, Karen. Hello. And Quint. Hello. All right, we are picking up with the mazes, and specifically starting with the mazes, uh, because it also picks up with the story of Bloody Mary, or Dr. Mary Agana, or more specifically, her victims. And as I said, just a recap real quick, each of these houses was related to a missing persons or maybe even identified dead persons in Bloody Mary's past. And as I learned putting the notes together, a phobia and I was going to say cure, but if they disappeared or died, maybe not a cure, an attempted cure by, by Bloody Mary for each of the eight houses at Halloween Horror Nights 18. So I just wanted to recap that real quick for everybody, because I am going to tell those stories as we introduce each house. So honestly, guys, so uh, it would have been a cure, right? I mean, death is the ultimate <laughs> Well, cure. they weren't scared of yes. anything anymore. That's for gun damn sure. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's what I mean. Like, death is the ultimate cure. <laughs> um, in this case, I have no particular preference of order because this is a really strong year i will say if you want to start with the weakest and the one i know least about doomsday because that is their only licensed ip this year that is not one they made up okay so i have two that are that are i'm going to reserve for the end okay just because I want to reserve them for the end and because I get to call them out, uh, that's what we're going to do. That's, a, but that's let's what happens when you don't day. talk, Karen, just so you're aware. <laughs> and I'm going to write down right. on a piece of paper what they are so that I can reveal that I know exactly what two you're saving for because <laughs> I know you. <laughs> yeah, you know me. <laughs> so. Uh, Doomsday. Let's start with Doomsday. Okay, Doomsday. That is That's good because that's the one I didn't know anything about. If I went through, I had to have gone through it. I, this is a year I went many times. I, I just, I no recollection of it whatsoever. Um, based on a movie, uh, Blockbuster, which I'm doing air quotes. That's what the event guy says. The guide uh, <laughs> says the 2008 uh, movie Doomsday. Did anyone see this movie? I did I not realize that it, it was a movie. But I do remember it coming out. Yeah. But I I know I didn't see it because it looked absolutely horrible. This is a, um, yeah, I didn't see it. And it's a universal movie. This is when they started, not started, I shouldn't say that. This is one of the years that they tried to pre-promote a movie or cross-promote a movie with Halloween Horror Nights. Not a bad idea. It just sometimes doesn't work. Huh? Dracula Untold pops to mind. <laughs> then Doomsday now pops into mind. Yeah. Let me tell you how Doomsday, 
Um, well, I guess I need to tell you what it, what the premise of this is so that the story makes sense. So the idea of Doomsday in general, and I'm really glad we're starting with this one because this one's the hardest one to tie to anything. But these, it's a, a a virus gets loose. It's called the Reaper virus. It sends the world into a post-apocalyptic, uh, the, I would say future, but I guess they're present, post-apocalyptic world, basically. End of the world because of a virus. Now, for the Mary Agana Fearless Living facility tie-in, there was a, a Lieutenant Von Stiebler. He develops this uncontro- these uncontrollable apocalyptic visions. And in these visions, he keeps seeing, seeing these three symbols all over and over again. And he relates to Dr. Ghana the very first time that he saw these three symbols and started having these visions was after a fishing trip with another doctor he once tried to, he, he saw to try to treat him. So Dr. Agana's solution to this is that she created a slideshow of a fishing trip littered with these three symbols and forced Von Siebler to watch them over and over and over again to the point of absolute madness where he ultimately inflicted several wounds on himself with a fountain pen that he had in reach. Uh. <laughs> That's how she and this ties it. into the movie. How? Well, I don't know the movie. So what was po- the movie it's, about? It, 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 it's not, it's, I will tell you there's in a lot of cases, no direct correlation, just the idea, yeah. the fact that he uh. has a, had these apocalyptic visions and this is a post-apocalyptic world. There's your tie in. Oh. Wow, that's right. weak. So now I didn't see, as I said, I didn't see this movie, but I understand it is accurate to the story, even though it's not a very good story. Post-apocalyptic piece set in Scotland, a virus has spread out and anarchy rules. So I do know that there was a barker at the entrance, um, just kind of taunting you to come in and whatnot uh there was some chainsaw guys that weaved in and out of the line there were this is just one of those general houses where it's like there was like the insane people that were chasing you and then like the sick people that were scaring you that is all i remember about this this is just like not knowing the movie i can't say you know any particular scenes that stood out to me and honestly it's one of the more was it just like kind of a good post-apocalyptic run not even really. Um, mm, like, that's you know, too bad. Because I mean, I like post. I like almost everything post-apocalyptic. Just, right? There was tons better that we've been to in the few years you and I have gone together. Well, it's been less less than few now at this point, but they've done them better. It's like yeah. I guess they really tried to bring the movie to life, and it's not a very good movie. So it's not a very good maze. Makes sense. It's historically one of the more panned uh, licensed houses for HHN, from what I've read. So, yeah. I'm glad right, we got that and, one done and out of the way. That's good. Re- reading through the list, I would not have even pegged it as an IP house. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, that movie existed. All right. So let's um let's just move along. Move along and go to the hollow. All right, the hollow. Let me find that on my notes. Hollow, sprung tent one. So this would have been the house to the left if we went through the kids area so so as far to the left what's that Tuck to the left. <laughs> I thought you were saying like third house on the left or something. There's a horror movie with the house on the left on it. Oh. I forget its full name. As far as Never it was. ties into no, I know I know what you meant. <laughs> I got it. 
So as far as the Dr. Ghana story goes, Elaine Harrell, she had a fear of myths and legends, particularly the Headless Horseman. So the way Dr. Agana had cured her, she repeatedly exposed her to a real severed human head. Wow. Yep. Okay. Yeah. There you go. And no, th- no, honey, I said headless, not <laughs> the head. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know, right? Like, it's, really? It's, it's, maybe it's the, yeah. maybe it's the comforter. See the head's right here. It's all good. Here's the yeah. head. <laughs> the head's still here. Yes. Hi. <laughs> what? No, how is that therapy? Uh now you'll see right off the bat, after we just dump Doomsday to the curve, this makes more sense uh, as a tie-in because the idea of this house is where does the tra- where does the tradition that we observe each Halloween come from? What is the classic roots of Hall- Halloween? So myths, legends, headless horsemen—that's what we're getting in this house. So it starts that's, off. What's that? That's awesome. I, I mean, that's an awesome classical Halloween story. It is. And that's what's, this is like, this is, um, I have it as my last note, but I'll, t- I'll tell you now, this is like the house version or the maze version. I got to pick a word. <laughs> this is like the maze version <laughs> of the scare zones. We always like every year. It's like, it's not a, not necessarily one story. It's just, it's walking through Halloween. That's a, about the best way I can describe it. Now it has some specific things going on, but you walk out of that going, man, I just went through a, Halloween house. That was pretty cool. At least that's what I thought when I would go through it. It starts off the facade is like you're entering a uh, entering a crypt. Um, you go from there. You go through a small strobe lit hall- hallway. Um, there's some cool jack o' lanterns that are there. Uh, they're they're just you do have your you know your eyes, nose, and mouth, but they're a little more creative. So it's 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 taking the the elements of Halloween, but really I would. I'll save the term ramping up for something later, but, but being a little more, instead of just giving you what you're expecting to put a little bit of a, a extra effort into it, um, you go out of the kind of the jack-o'-lantern, the dark lights of the night of Halloween into a graveyard, which you'd expect as being part of a Halloween thing. And there's bodies in the graves that rise up as you pass by they're you know, they're not necessarily bull holes or, or door passages, but the the bodies are still a little surprising, but not super scary. Um, from there you're into, uh, uh, there's a hallway of, of floating images that are obvious are uh, floating pieces that are, they're the traditional uh, wisp of ghosts, the, the, the more spectral type deal. And uh, there's more strobe lights to kind of pull it off. This is the, just not hanging sheets in a sense. You go past a wall, uh, what they call in the um, descriptions of the behind the scenes stuff, the, the wall of souls and its faces and hands embedded into the wall. And of course, as you're, once you get used to there being faces and hands, there is a character made up the same paint as the wall whose eyes, pop open and screams at you, which is a nice surprise. You know, you come to expect it after years of Halloween Horror Nights, but you're not always ready for it. Uh, you move outside, but you're still in the sprung tent to an outside scene. Um, another, it's it's like we've seen with the other things with um, other houses like Texas Chainsaw, Walking Dead that go outside. Uh, they do a great job of it being in the woods and you kind of have your, your, your sh- moving shadows and people in the dark and, and just another set of characters that just fit the theme without being anything specific. And then from there, you kind of move into the finale of it. And it is the, the headless horseman because they did specifically mention that in the Mariagana story. And it's the same. That's, I mentioned this in the, um, 
part one. It's the mostly headless horseman, the one that's cut at the eyes on the way up, which is a really unique take on a decapitated or the headless horseman character. It's like, yeah, it's headless, but it's like, I've not seen that before. So it's another, that's really cool. So again, like I said, to start this off, I'm back to my last note, which is just a, a, a maze version of the Halloween, the classic Halloween stuff we really enjoy in the scare zones put inside a maze. Yeah. And that's always good when, when they link back to classic Halloween, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's often you get, we've had a couple of years where you go through and you go through, especially when you go through all the IP stuff and there's one year in specific where even the scare zones were all one thing and you kind of came away going, well, that was fun, but didn't really feel like Halloween. Right. And this, you know, it's nice for, for them to link to real Halloween. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. That's why that's one of the things I really liked about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Specifically uh, what I'm talking about was the walking dead scare zone year. yeah (laughs) not that it was bad i I liked it but it just you kind of came away going that was a lot of fun but i just felt like a walking dead fest not halloween right yeah yeah you're right all right so we're going to switch to dead exposure this one sounds really cool i'm not sure what the execution is going to be like though okay so this was this is interesting um, I saw the name and I think it's a similar name of one that we went to that was set outside in the snow because it is nothing to do with cold or being exposed to the elements. I mixed that with another memory. This is, yeah, a, no, this one is, this one is, um, the exposure refers to, to film, right? It is because you're right. Cause it's the story of Charlie McPherson, the undercover photographer we talked about in part one. So not only was he working undercover, but he did have a real fear that he had brought to Dr. Ghana as he was posing as a, well, he was a patient and working undercover. His fear was of ghostly images and he was afraid of the dark. Her solution was to seal him in a glass box with the only option to get out of that box was to go into a dark room where there was flashing bulbs that lit up ghostly images Charlie McPherson was so scared to go in that room that he chose not to come out of the box and eventually ran out of air and died. Oh, good. So I guess, Um, like you said earlier, he was cured from a certain point of view. Right. That's interesting, especially as, as it will translate to a maze. I'm assuming that there's a lot of strobe effects in this maze. Yes, absolutely. Here's, here's, we'll go right into it. This is the, the house is what Charlie McPherson caught on film as he was working undercover. And the idea conceptually was that you were walking into his pictures. If you follow that idea. Yeah. 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 Now, what was interesting about this is that they ended up using a lot of the characters. The best thing I can describe them as as, is zombies, but zombies never came into the story. So I don't know why. Well, I guess I do know why in a sense they picked to put these in here, which is another, another interesting thing about this is that a lot of the locales, the rooms in here are kind of duplicated in Mary Agana's house, Reflections of Fear. So this is the only time that I can really think of where we kind of are duplicating rooms, but from different angles and obviously different decorations and different characters. They're not identical, but the idea is the same. Really interesting to have two houses kind of set in the same spot because all his undercover work took place in living fearlessly. And Mariagana's house takes place in living fearlessly or living fearless, I guess is the thing. Right. So Hmm. you walked in 
as you walked in, the uh, first thing you walked into was a squared off entryway that was decorated with photos of his investigation. So we saw a lot of the uh, imagery that led up to his disappearance. Um, some of Maria Ghana in Bloody Mary form, I believe some of the other victims that were missing, just some gruesome stuff and just some, some innocuous videos. Uh, you walk through a dark plastic sheet and entered into a dark room. And this was, uh, this starts actually in his apartments and it's all in disarray. Uh, there's creatures, the zombies for lack of a better term, pounding at the window. You see him as shadows and you go from there down a hallway, which is a room of strobes, which is like a camera flash. So this is where you're starting to kind of walk into his pictures. First thing that we see is the um, immersion chambers that Mariagana set up, and they're very industrial looking, very frightening looking. They're like round with steel rivets, very, uh, like I said, industrial, little, little rusted, little patinaed. Um, there's a uh, corpse. Uh, they have like a um, looking, what do you say, like a porthole glass in it. As you're looking into them, of course, one of them has one of these corpse slash living dead well they're, they're zombies i guess one of the the living dead <laughs> inside it and of course a false side to it where it can find you from the other side uh from down there you go down through a passageway that looks like a a line of gargoyle creatures uh but they didn't quite have the horns but they had the ears and the wings of course as you walk by some are props some were characters with that continuous yeah. strobe lighting you never knew which was what until one moved oh, in front fuck. of you yeah exactly yeah the anytime they're doing the the statues characters in a strobe light area it's always just they're always gonna get you yep um through that uh the last the finale room on here is charlie mcpherson on a table this is a little strange this this contradicts this story but maybe it's uh it tells it it's it's better for the house he's being hacked the bits by Dr. Agana's assistants to dispose of the body, but I guess he wasn't quite dead in that box because he's very much alive as he's being disassembled <laughs> on this table. And and then not from there, yeah, it out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not dead. I'm not, uh, almost, yeah. We're not going to recite that whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so that is uh, yeah the um, yeah the the like you said the strobes really uh, amped up the interaction or the i guess losing sight of the characters right which always helps so this wasn't the original order i was going to do this in but it sounds like this is a good segue straight into reflections of fear which, okay. which sounds like the icon maze of the yes it was of the year yep, yep. I just gotta find my notes reflections of fear yes this was the bloody mary uh, slash dr agana house so it was this is don't need to tell her story because this is the this is her her character story and you you started by entering her clinic you entered the living fearless or fearlessly. I have both in my notes. So it's one of the two <laughs> clinics. First thing you get into is her office, which is completely ransacked. And it's, it's where it was left when she was found back in 1958. Uh, there's a mirror on the wall. And from time to time, the image of bloody Mary that we see from the marketing material does appear in that mirror. Uh, to leave that office, you actually push your way through these two inflatable walls uh, that are covered in pin lights. It's, of, I, I don't know that it, it's that we've been through something like that exactly before, but you actually have to push, push through them because it's trying to reset your 
experience to going back in time. You're leaving 2008 and you're going back to 1958. Once you walk through this wall, you're now in her clinic before her murder happened. So you walk mm. through you walk through that um, doorway, I guess you call it that walkway, and the first thing that you run into are patients being treated, screaming in terror. <laughs> There's uh, with her less than, uh, as we said, desirable staff, the ex-cons and mental patients. One thing that permeates through the first half of this mouth or first half of this house is a sound of a damn dentist drill. Oh yeah. That constant whining, like not even necessarily yeah. hitting a tooth, just a mm-hmm. it's, like, it's everywhere yeah. in the first half of this house. I hate oh, that fuck. noise. Oh, dude, who, who likes that? I, was noise, say, I don't know anyone yeah. that likes that noise. Right. That is a great element to put in one of these things because it's so it unsettling. Yeah. And, and it's stomach churning. It really literally is stomach churning yeah. for some people like me. <laughs> yeah. We've had a lot of dental work done. Uh-huh. Oh, I have too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So as, as we move through, we see different staff treating patients in different methods of torture. They're torturing them to conquer their fear. Like there's an electrical room. Presumably this guy is scared of electricity. He is, uh, he's in an electric chair though. It's not actually running um, necessarily, which is, Obviously, got to be old smoky, but they have those. I was th- just gonna say, is that old smoky? <laughs> they have those grids with where you run like a. It's not a cattle prod, but it looks like a cattle prod that's wired. And when you make the connection, you get that crackling noise and sparks. Yeah, that's a cool addition. So that's in that area where they're treating this particular patient. There's another patient who's being tortured in the bathtub, assumably afraid of water. Uh, there's there's patterns of scratch film and like the number of countdowns from film. Very interesting addition to. This house, I don't know what that represents, but the constant changing of the imagery on the walls certainly sets a, a tone of chaos. Um, that there's a long walk down a hall of bloody rags that we've seen before. Uh, this is not like the invisible stuff in your face. This is in your face. They're damp. They're gross looking. There's a strobe oh. light. And this hall is littered with boo holes and boo doors with the people dressed up as orderlies just fucking with you every step down this hall. This is a terrible <laughs> slash awesome hallway. <laughs> right. So now this actually leads to the exit, which is the clinic. Now we're back to 2008. It's post Mariagana's death. We're back into a, a disarrayed, ransacked area, but this one's a little more surreal. And um, I shouldn't say surreal. This this one is like, instead of just being in disarray, it's a little cloudy. Uh, the play with the light effects. And there. this is where you get to encounter Bloody Mary, a more ethereal version. Uh, the one we see in the literature, and she's at the end of the room. And she's not necessarily jumping and scaring you. She's just there. We've seen that before with the icons there at the end. Kind of like the chance, the last chance we see in her uh dream state on the way out of the chance house. So you do get your encounter with bloody Mary on the way out. So this one, not particularly gruesome, but it is a mind fucked house. Once you walk through those like inflatable doors or whatever the hell you'd even call them. I still don't know what to describe them. Yeah. That sounds pretty cool. It's a good one. I mean, it sounds yeah, like, it sounds, um, sounds like a good one. Uh, it, it sounds like the inflatable doors are, are a little bit like what they did with the mattresses last year in the, the, uh, Oh, come on. The uh, Exorcist. You remember the, the media night? The, the oh, first couple of nights. Yeah. 
If, the Exorcist, you actually had to push your way through these mattress doors. You did, and yeah. they loosened them up a lot yeah. by the time I got there the second time because it was just, I think it was just like a, a choke point. It's a, but yeah, it, it sounds a lot like that. It's the same idea. It's where you're absolutely not supposed to see what's ahead of you until you go through the doors. That's the real point of them, I think. Yeah. I mean, there is yeah. like the sense of you're moving from one world to another, but you're not supposed to see anything ahead of you. Cause they actually, they change it. They change it 50 years. They go back in time 50 yeah. years. So yeah, it is. It's like that. You're right. Yep. That's pretty cool. All right. So we're going to just kind of pop into creatures. Creatures. Okay. <laughs> this one. All right. This one's. Fun. And this just kind of sounds like a typical sort of mishmash, right? Mm, no, it's got a story. It's got. Uh, it's, oh, okay. Um, it's uh all right. Let me tell you. Let me tell you how it ties into Doctor Agana's patients. Johnny Deedle, uh, he's the one that this is based after. He was taken to Doctor Agana by his uncle to stop his reoccurring nightmares of being strangled by octopus-like creatures. So Doctor Agana blindfolded him, uh, stood him on a table, and then started to wrap him with wet ropes, telling him that they're tentacles. And she says he has to withstand this and get over it because if he steps in any direction, he's going to step off into an endless abyss. He's blindfolded. He doesn't know he's on a table. Johnny's terrified by the tentacles. He's so terrified that he decides the abyss is going to be much more uh, something he can deal with than being strangled by these tentacles. So he takes that step off, step off the table. As he falls, one of the ropes tightens around his neck and hangs him in Dr. Agana's clinic. So again, cured. Uh, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, cured. Yep. So with that, that's very specific because we walk into creatures and this is basically rednecks versus monsters. That is what this is. That is the elevator pitch. Okay. That sounds fun, actually. So it starts yeah. off by entering the butchered buck roadhouse. This, the redneck motif is hits you in the face the second you walk in <laughs> dartboards beer signs badly stacked chairs on tables rope rope lights bunched up hanging from the ceiling instead of any proper lighting patrons uh are quite with it they're either like drunk or stuck in the chaos and they're, i'm sorry they're um the patrons aren't um quite uh Either they're not with it, like I said, they're they're maybe a little drunk or a little out of it, or they're just glaring you down because you're a stranger, like you would in any redneck bar you'd walk into in anywhere in this country, particularly Karen's hometown. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> that was way too long a pause, but then at first it was way too long, but your answer was perfect. <laughs> I was trying to find trying to find some sort of defense, but that there there isn't one for that. You could have said nothing better to follow that pause. That was awesome. <laughs> So once you turn, okay, so now you get the set, you're in a, you're, you're out of your element, you're in the, well, maybe you're in your element, depending where you're from, but generally you're out of your element, you're somewhere, you're not wanted, and you get the sense of the people that are running this place, you turn the corner, and the first thing you see is a redneck, flannel hat, or flannel shirt, hat and all, jumps out with some kind of monstrous parasite stuck to his chest with tentacles wrapped around his neck. <laughs> so that's where the tentacles come from. You start walking down a hallway of flickering lights, uh, strobes, but they're they're not steady strobes or they're, they're off pattern. So it's like a flickering light door swing open, more victims of parasites. Things start to get a little more intense, a little bigger. Now people, rednecks are starting to scream. Their their faces are marred. They're, they're bleeding and they have like huge tentacles wrapped around their bodies and their torsos. 
There's gunfire. There's screaming. There's fighting. You move farther down another hall. You go. You enter the house that's attached to the bar. In the room right before uh, you get into the kitchen, there's a big, like busted out uh, the walls, like the walls that we see. We've seen it. We've seen it in, in a couple houses. Texas Chainsaw. The plaster walls where things are missing. A lot of bull holes that you aren't expecting are bull holes because they're not square. You know what I mean? Kind of like the hidden bull holes. Get more tentacles, mm-hmm. more people screaming at you. This this hallway is just ramping up to to some scary stuff <laughs> into the kitchen. You get into the kitchen, you see some now you start to see some real evidence of how kind of gross these um creatures are because everything in this kitchen is like covered in slime. There's slime trails leading in and out of the door, up the walls, out the holes in the walls, out the windows. One of the residents is running back and forth behind the counter with an AK-47. Keeps taking Amy, sees something that it keeps getting out of his sight. You go past that kitchen. You go into more rooms. The slime, now we're getting, the slime is getting grosser. It's more prevalent. You walk past a bedroom. There's a there's a bed that is completely covered in this slimy webbing. There may or may not be a body under there. There probably is because there's a body shape, but there's you can't see anything move because it's so intensely, or uh, so heavily covered in this slime webbing. You go down more halls with wrecked plaster chunks and whatnot, and and and, and in fact, this one's a bit of a, a mislead because you're kind of now you're used to the boo holes being in these holes in the wall, and you're looking at that, and you're not noticing the door of the redneck that is almost possessed by this rat, tentacle wrapped alien that's got a hold of him that is coming at you. So you didn't see the door because you're looking at the hole. Great misdirection. They lead it. They set it up in one room and take it away in another. Um, you go outside the house. This is actually a, it's kind of a lot. Uh, you can envision the uh, pattern of um, Texas Chainsaw last year. You walk outside of the house. You pass through some clothes lines and fences. This is always an excellent place for scares. So you have more rednecks hunting the aliens. You have more aliens that have got a hold of the of the rednecks. It's just chaos. You don't know who's coming at you from where. You go. You get through this and you pass what is some sort of crashed space vessel. Uh, maybe even, I don't know, from a, definitely another planet, maybe another dimension. Who knows what? Uh, there is a kind of graded catwalk above you. There's flashing lights. There's slime covered everything. There's like almost a soldier type alien with tentacle arms looking down at you. And from that, that's the end of it. And you walk out. So that was, it was literally rednecks versus aliens. This entire run through this house. Fun as hell. <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a little bit of a urban legend behind, well, not urban legend. Cause I think it is. There's a little bit of a legend behind this story. All the creature attacks were tentacles of the creatures. As you heard me describe you might say that this is a case like Jaws, where seeing elements and the effects of the monsters is scarier than seeing the monsters itself. One might also say that there were full-body tentacled creature costumes made for this maze that were too big to fit through the tight spaces backstage and weren't able to be used for this maze. That's the legend, that there were full-blown <laughs> alien costumes for this that could not fit on stage, in a sense. Damn. Yeah. And uh, that would suck. As, uh, as far as I get, to, I've heard that more than once. I've heard that from more than one reputable source. And if it's true, which it sounds like it is, that's got to be super frustrating to anyone that worked on that costume. Hell yeah. Yeah. This was actually more interesting than uh, 
than I thought it was going to be. Really? When I when I read the blurb about this one, yeah. When I read the blurb about this one, I was like, hmm, okay, uh, okay. But no, uh, rednecks versus aliens. That's <laughs> fucking awesome. <laughs> I mean, uh, there was a game that was pretty much that. Uh, Redneck Rampage. This sounds like it comes right out of that game's script, which is just uh, was a fantastic game just for all of the redneck tropes that you would expect. Mm. And it was Rednecks versus Aliens. Yep. That was this. That was Creatures. All All right. So which is next in your opinion, Matt? We've got three left. You know that I'm saving two for last. Which is next? Uh, Scary Tales. Okay. Oh, that was good. Oh, so I was right about the last two. Oh, yeah. Okay. So let's move on to Scary Tales, Once Upon a Nightmare. Scary Tales. So this was the um, story for Diane Dodson, as far as the Bloody Mary story goes. She had a fear of fairy tales. Uh, They were highlighted when her parents divorced, and now she fears, in addition to fairy tales, she fears any story that ends with a happily ever after. So Dr. Ghana's treatment involved locking her in a room with a, with her staff members who would scream fairy tale lines at her. She had a safe word she could use when she couldn't take anymore. When she couldn't take anymore, she shouted the safety word. She thought she was going to be safe. The instructions Dr. Ghana gave her staff were when she yells the safe, the, the safe word, stop yelling and start beating her mercilessly. Jesus oh, fucking Christ. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what kind of fucking doctor is this? <laughs> exactly, right? Well. So, yeah, that is obviously, I think we see, we obviously see where this is going. These are fairy tales turned on their head, turned gruesome, and no happily ever after. And we know that. We know that going into scary tales. I will say scary tales. Uh, first one of my favorite, one of my favorite houses of all time. Sequel let me down. This one was much better. This was, this is what the sequel should have been. In fact, it's, 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 it ranks right up there with number with the first one with me. This is a great version of Scary Tales. I wish they, this has not been back since this, I don't think. I wish it would come back. I mean, the Scare Zone, we got that. We got the Scream Punk one, but I want, the, I want the house back. Who knows? We don't know what's everything for 27 yet. But So going into this, we start by entering the castle of the Evil Queen. And one of the first identifiable things we see is that we come across a graveyard where Snow White was where she had died and she was waiting for Prince Charming to revive Prince Charming to revive her. Well, as you can imagine, Prince Charming never arrived. So we have now a decaying and long since dead Snow White in this graveyard. Um, once we get past the graveyard, we go past the tower where there is, I don't even know how or what happened, but it doesn't matter because the imagery is great. There's a dead Rapunzel lying out the window with her hair like interweaved with the vines that have been growing up the side of the tower. Great imagery on this tower. Again, I don't know. I mean, obviously no one came to, to save Rapunzel, but how she died, no idea. Doesn't matter. It works for this. Um, which is interestingly here. We have another repeat of a theme. We have Alice in Wonderland an Alice in Wonderland room, which is interesting because we have a, um, we have the Asylum in Wonderland, although there is no Alice in the Asylum in Wonderland because she is saved for this room. So Alice in Wonderland kind of completes the story of Asylum in Wonderland as far as the scare zone. She's actually taking control of the of Wonderland, and she is pretty much at this point killing the um, characters that we know, even, even though we see them in the uh, scare zone. It's a little strange, but you know. You, you you get some allowances for Halloween Horror Nights. Uh, the main thing is that she's eating the guts of the 
of the white rabbit raw. Now, I will say the white rabbit that she's eating the guts of looks like a big human-sized rabbit, not a rabbit man. The white rabbit in Asylum Wonderland is a man rabbit or rabbit man, whatever you want to call it. So you can say they're different characters. I gave them that one. That one. Hands on Gretel. They don't get the best of the witch. They are being buried alive. Not even cooked. The witch has had enough of their shit, so she's just burying them alive right then and there. Excellent. Goldilocks didn't get off so easy with the three bears, a mainly Papa Bear who is eating her for lunch, which we have seen in 25. This was the room they pulled from Scary Tales for 25, where the origin of the HHN bear, the the Twitter account that caught on like wildfire, and people are still talking about. In fact, someone said that the icon this year should be HHN bear, which I agree with. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, although it's the mother that was eating it, maybe that's a, maybe that was the mother eating it in this one. It's just we didn't realize that till this resurgence in 25. So that's where that room came from. Um, from there, you start to follow a yellow brick road, or at least an overgrown what was once yellow brick road. It's kind of broken up and mossy and grass growing through it. It's all decrepit, and it leads you into an overgrown cornfield. And where you get to where the scarecrow was found, again, this ties back to the Path of the Wicked character I didn't mention in Path of the Wicked last episode, Dorothy. When you get to the scarecrow post, no longer the scarecrow. It's a dead Dorothy. That's where the witch had disposed of her in the cornfield yeah. in Oz. That was pretty cool, I thought. Yeah. And then through that, um, you actually take one more trip through the castle, uh, encounter another or the evil queen again and her minions, and they just give you one last scare, and then you're out of scary tales. Very well done, as opposed to it's uh, immediate predecessor it's a very uh, good sequel to the first i like to skip the second and say that this is the uh sequel to the original scary tales yeah and then it's it sounds like everything that i wanted out of 25 <laughs> right. yeah scary yep. tales as yep. well which i didn't get yes yeah i mean this is just all of the the things that are i mean everything that i'd heard about and read about and wanted out of 25 and didn't get <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is kind of what was fresh in my memory when we were talking about it on reveal night. I like what I told you all about the things I could remember, and most of the imagery is fresh mm-hmm. from this one. And yeah, you know, we didn't get any of that in, in steampunk or screampunk. No, no, we did get that one room in in twenty five, but not anything else. Right. Yep. But uh, all right. Ah, uh, the last two. Do you want to save the body collectors for the last? It's up to you. They're both good. I would, yeah, let's do Body Collectors last. And that is what I All wrote right, on my piece of paper Body Collectors and Interstellar Terror. <laughs> I do. Exactly. I Interstellar Terror. Tell me about Interstellar Terror. Interstellar this- Terror. All right. I'll tell you the story, uh, how it relates to Dr. Agana's patients. It's Thornton Keterson, or sorry, Kesterson, Thornton Kesterson. He's a gem trader slash gem smuggler who has a fear of being contaminated from his many trip international trips. Dr. Ghana's treatment, strap him to a table and place him in front of an industrial jet saying that the flames will help decontaminate him. She must have meant incinerate him because that's what happened. (laughs) (laughs) You know, decontaminate, incinerate, they sound similar. Technically, he is decontaminated. (laughs) Again, I can't argue. That's wrong. You're right. So, Interstellar Terror, this is the maze that made me say, yes, put sci-fi in Halloween Horror Nights because they did it so well. This is like the predecessor to Aliens vs. Predator. Uh, uh, Saws and Steam is a different version, but I kind of consider that uh, 
uh, sci- steampunk sci-fi-ish. Steampunkish. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this 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 was the one. It's like yes, yes, more of this. It was so awesome. It is the NSO Columbus uh, ship number. F- 1492 it went out into deep space it found an artifact it was never heard from again comes back years later and this tells the story of what happened why it was never heard from so long fantastic sets one of my favorite horror games and i go back to gaming again one of my favorite horror games is system shock 2 which is basically uh, you know you're you wake up on a ship and it's it's basically a zombie ship and you it's half rpg half shooter fantastic game and that's what i was hoping for from this it is the sets of it are, are just fantastic it is everything you want to see in a spaceship themed house it's got those like polygonal walls computer readouts nice. there's blood streaks on everything bloody handprints the screens look very l carsy without being exact l cars it's it's the colors and the blocks you know yeah it's it's like it's it's very recognizable as futuristic sci-fi first area you go into are cryogenic tubes and they're all empty ex um yeah except for the uh broken ones which have as you see is as you walk by you see crew members in there that are crazed what you don't see is the side panel where they slip out and reach out at you another element in these houses they've used but you know again when you re- kind of reset and you go into a new house you kind of forget these things happen and boom there they are coming right. at you um throughout the ship there's a screen on on uh overhead that is uh playing the last logs of the captain who is actually J. Michael Rowdy, who's in charge of this event up to this point. In fact, him and Mike Aiello are working together at this point. I don't know. That's a name we had ever oh had, my God. Had brought up. I was just going to say, that's a fantastic effect. I, I think that's, that's just brilliant. Having somebody reading off different logs for different places. Right. It's yep. great. Yep. And it's, it's, and it's great to have the, one of the creative minds that that's written a story because I'm sure he's, I mean, we've all done levels of creative work, not to this level, but we actually, you know, you, you envision what your, your what your final product you, you want it to be. So having him probably write most of the script and then performing it gives it a lot more intensity than it would if you're trying to direct someone that doesn't quite get what you're trying to do. So it works out really well to have him doing this, I think. So, like I said, the captain logs, and they, they progressively get worse, obviously, because the the crew's getting madder as you go on so not only you're getting deeper into the ship but you're also being told the sequence of the story through these logs which are getting more and more insane as you go um next area after those cryogenic tubes you go through uh the kind of the the engine room i guess there's a uh uh well the what we would call a warp core again i don't want to necessarily pinpoint it on star trek things but you know, that's kind of what it looks like the warp cores we've seen on the futuristic uh, drive. Star Trek. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Futuristic drives. Uh, uh, it's, it's the engine room, the engine room, the core is still intact. That's how the ship got back, obviously, but all of the controls and the panels are glitching and flickering every once in a while. You get an insane crew member that kind of screams and walks by. There's no real direct scares in here, but it's a very intense room that you're like always waiting for something. So it's messing with you more than it's actually frightening you, which is effective as well. From there, you go into a small hall, and it's an, and again those like those polygon walls that you expect. Uh, there's this is these walls are all kind of lighted, like they're backlit, and you get uh, a bigger look at the crew. A lot of them dead. The ones that are alive are still insane. They mess with you, but they're more just going 
out of their minds in this room. From there, you walk onto a bridge. This bridge is so freaking cool. It's very small. Um, it only has one. Maybe it's a pilot bridge because there's only one crew member in there, but there is a crew member. So you're actually about three or four feet above him, and he's down below in his chair going insane. He's not even really – he's looking at you, but he's not talking to you. He's just talking about his – whatever i don't even know his state of mind is so insane he's screaming and yelling he's talking about something but it's not directly about you but he's still looking at you great character moment in this it's like unsettling because he's not directly scaring you but he's still just very (laughs) unsettling and the fact that he's there down below you and you're almost like looking at him as a display piece in a sense or like he's in a cage even though he's not the design on this thing is is absolutely uh, so well done. It's amazing. From out of that bridge, you go into another hallway. This time it's like graded walls, like kind of like an industrial um, uh, or like a utility uh, walkway. Uh, more characters, more blue holes, even easier to fit in this area. Uh, after you get through, you get into this hallway, you get to a vortex tunnel. This is a tunnel that they've mainly saved for the 3D houses these past few years, but it's that same tunnel. Spinning tunnel, in this Got case... It. Yeah, instead of the words, there's like blue lights on it, like almost uh, like sequ- not even sequence of lights, blocks of little of little circle li- blue lights on it, and it's spinning. Does even without the 3D, it does the same effect on you. It messes up your equilibrium, which is they're doing on purpose because as you walk into the next part of the ship, the ship is now on its side, so you're walking on the wall of the ship. <laughs> and the ceilings awesome. on one side and the floors on the other. The crew is still upright in a sense. From the walls, they're they're coming from their ceiling. They're coming, well, not from the floor, but from the ceiling, which is above you. Awesome. (laughs) Just an awesome way to kind of wrap up this house. So you go through the sideways part of the house, and then you get to the very end, which is the cargo bay. And this is where you, you find the artifact. And fuck me if it is not the damn ship from et is what they use <laughs> as the artifact in this house <laughs> they threw some biomechanical stuff on it but it's the ship from freaking et it's like one of the ones they had left over from the the ride that wasn't in use right. and they decorated and put it in there i'm like Dah. so it's That's like awesome this is 98.7 percent my favorite house until that last 1.3 percent <laughs> Oh, come on. But it's a great homage. I mean, come on. Well, it makes perfect sense why it drives you nuts, because E.T. scared the hell out of me for my entire life. See, I'm one of those few people that never, ever saw E.T. and never wanted to. Yep, you shouldn't. No one should see that movie. It's terrifying. (laughs) Especially not the uh, walkie-talkie version. Yeah, right. (laughs) It's worse than audition. So that's Interstellar Taylor. Phenomenal house. Oh, man. I so badly want to go see that. Yeah. I, yep. Yeah. Uh it's just yeah, it hits all the fun stuff. I mean, I most of the sci-fi horror stuff that I've ever seen, I really enjoyed. Mhm. Even some of the really bad stuff I really enjoyed. So yeah, this hits near and dear to me. Right. Right. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> all right, it's, let's, you'd have loved it. No doubt. Yeah, let's move into the last one, which is near and dear to all of us cuz it's body collectors. Body collections, collections of the past. Okay, well, we know we've talked about the body collectors. I mean, I think we all, I, I fell in love with them from the beginning. I think you two 
fell in love with them since 25. I mean, they are just awesome. They are the one of the best things about Halloween Horror Nights. I fell in love with them even before that, just based on your descriptions of them previously. Okay, right. Cool. Because they just sound like, I, I mean, they sound like, and now that we've experienced it, they are like one of the coolest uh, um, non-IP things that uh, HHN has come up with yet. Yeah. It's just kind of era traveling, time traveling, uh, hell, dimension traveling beings that just want parts. Parts. Yep. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So actually time travel in a sense, this has nothing to do with that. We'll get, we'll get to that. Let me get to the, um, let me do the, uh, Dr. Agana story. So this is a uh, Dr. Uh, Christian Kupsch. She's, uh, she, he, there's a former colleague of Dr. Agana and a men- member of NAM, uh, that place that denied her funding. Uh, she, Dr. Agana knew of, of her fear or their Cubs fear. I'm just going to say that last name because I don't know if it's a guy or a girl, actually. Uh, Cubs fear of dead bodies and gruesome operations. So Dr. Agana, in the early days of living fearlessly before she had any patients, decided she needed to prove this concept. So she kidnapped Cubs on August 20th of 1958 and brought Cubs back to her office to cure him. I have a him, so it must have been him. Cure him of the fear while proving that her extreme methods did indeed work. The cure was to drill a hole through his back. The idea would be that he survived and would see that there's nothing to worry about in a gruesome operation. The only problem, he didn't actually survive. Again, cured. Yeah, right. Oh, my. So, okay. So, the story story of this house, uh, body collectors. We know what body collectors are. Quint just actually set a really good stage for it. This particular one is that uh, this period of time was the explanation for the Jack the Ripper um, murders in the 1880s. So it's all set in London and Whitechapel at that period. So great, great setting for this story. Definitely. Yep. So you walk in with a passing a bunch of, of street posters of unsolved murders that are later attributed to Jack the Ripper. Uh, you go through this alley facade way, which is... I mean, when I think of Jack the Ripper, I think of this image of a top-hatted man in the 1800s at the end of a alleyway. So, perfect start. And then you make a turn. This is a great, this is great that we're actually ending on this one because you come into what is an, a very infamous part of Halloween Horror Nights history, which is the Aiello and Roddy Barber Shop, which is named after Mike Aiello and Jay, Jay Michael Rowdy, which we just we talked about uh, Mike Rowdy. And this year, uh, Mike was the director of Bill and Ted. That was his, oh, his okay. big part of this. I'm possibly writer. I'm not entirely sure, but director. That was noted. Um, in this barbershop, there is a customer getting a haircut. Uh, the body collector kind of missed by about <laughs> eight inches because he was starting to cut Downward. him off at the neck. Yep. <laughs> so it's a severed yeah. neck dummy, which and it's one of those things where it's um, there's also there's a, there's a severed head dummy and there's a device that's kind of tearing him up from the inside out. So when they, the, the body collector goes to move the lever, which you think is going to move the chair up and down, because that's where the lever is, it's actually moving the solids inside the dummy's chest, and it spins and you get sprayed with water. But, of course, you don't oh, have to think it's blood. Yes. Oh, the spraying water. Yeah. <laughs> you go into a room with another body collector, and it's it's another um, thing we see every year, and we love it. It's the the leg saw 
table. Mm. So he's mm-hmm. sawing off a victim's leg, and he's surrounded by arms and legs hanging from him. So he's been doing this pretty much all day. Nice hard day's work. Got a few collection of limbs to show for it. So that's good. So from there, we move into the theater room. And this is one that they pretty much duplicated in Body Collectors Recollections of the Past. It's the theater where there's body collectors watching the spine rip. The spine rip didn't originate here, but the th- I think the theatrical part of this that we saw in 25 came from here. That is a classic. Right. I love that spine rip. That's been around. I've seen that many times. I always love it best with body collectors, but I love the spine rip in this. The spine rip is always cool. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter what, what maze they put it into. It's just, it's, it's a kind of a staple already where it's like, if you don't see a spine rip that year, it's not fun. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yep. <laughs> Almost. Almost. Uh, out of the theater, you move into a collection room of, of bones. Um, they have cubby holes filled with hands, possibly sorted by size. I'm not entirely sure. There's a wall, uh, kind of a mantle, not really a mantle piece, a little higher than that. There's a shelf that goes along the top of the wall that's that's lined with skulls. Uh, you move past that and you get into a live dissection room. We've kind of seen things like that before. Um, in this room, apart from the um, uh, live dissection, there's another body on a rack. And when you just look at the rack, the body looks like it has five just ridiculously deep horizontal cuts across their torso. That's what it looks like until the body collector pulls a lever and separates it into five distinct pieces of body on the rack. Excellent. I mean, that's the great thing about the body collectors is like, even when you think that every time you think that the, that you're ready for it, they become more unhinged. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we move out of the dissection room into the sleeping burst. Some of the sleeping bursts have body collectors in them. Others have body parts or bodies that they're storing. Um, from there, you go down to a hall. Uh, in this hall, there's a body collector overhead. And he's a distraction because you can see him. He doesn't quite sneak out, out at you. He's always there. But there is a body collector on either side and boo holes. And they, of course, alternate depending on uh, you know who, who's seen the one come from what side we've seen that effect as well. We go into the yep. final room. This is a good finale for this because you go into now, this is where they kind of bring back. Um, they remind you the Jack, the Ripper thing. Uh, you go into a room and it's, it's foggy. It's, it's the London fog. There's a lot mm-hmm. of swinging gas lamps around, but what you don't know is that some of them are being held by body collectors and you don't see that until they put the lamp up to their light and they're facing you face to face. So they're snuck in there with these hanging lamps. That's a great effect. Yep. And that is the finale. Then you go out from there and out back out to the street. This is the Gore house, obviously of the year. Um, And it always uh, body collectors is always, always going to be my favorite. doesn't matter what year or what else there is. If there's body collectors, that's going to be my favorite. It sounds like a really good maze. Yep. Mm-hmm. It was. It was. All right. That wraps up our mazes for this year. Um, what we've got left is we have three shows. Yes, we do. We've got, I'm going to gloss over the first one, oh, The in my list, the first one pretty quick because we've, we've talked about it extensively before, which is the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, a tribute and this one has was a staple of halloween horror nights for many 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 years i think it's done now but um yeah, it is unfortunately. Yeah, it was yep. 
Yeah, it was it was a staple. You could always just go take a load off, uh, watch the show, hang out, sing along for the folks that that always or for the folks that really enjoy Rocky Horror. You could sing along. You could if you managed to smuggle toast in, I'm sure they would be <laughs> help. Yeah, be happy if you threw it at them. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, there was that. The second one was a magic act by Brian Brushwood and. We, I mentioned this in our last show. It's in a fairly interesting location because it was like smack or, or at the entrance kind of of a scare zone was the, also the entrance to this show where I, I'm sure he was doing macabre magic. Uh, yeah. I mean, I didn't see it cause I, it's, I, I'll be honest, like magic, a ma- an entire magic show is not my thing. Brian Brushford, I've gotten to know who he is actually through podcasting first and found it really weird to trace him back to Halloween Horror Nights. Uh, he does a lot of shows that I admire and is is a great host, a great personality. I'm sure his show is great. I've actually seen some clips online. They're really good. I just wasn't – I go for what I go for in Halloween Horror Nights and Magic – I saw Magic, didn't know who Brian was, obviously. Maybe if I if, if it were a different time and he was there now, I would absolutely check him out. I didn't check it out, check it out at the time. I have seen this stuff online, and it's good. It's not your – average and you wouldn't expect to be for Halloween Horror Nights. It's very creative, very fun, but I didn't experience it. So I'm sure it was a good show. I unfortunately just don't know much about it firsthand. Okay. That's fair. And I'm uh he's so what kind of podcast is he doing? He's with the uh, what is it, the Diamond Group? He does stuff with um oh what's his name? Justin Young and uh yeah. he may do some stuff with the frog pants guys, but I'm not entirely sure. Oh, okay. Well, that's kind of cool. That's that's yeah. really interesting that that you you got to know of him through through a different means, yeah, this. and then trace yeah. it backwards. I actually had when I first came across his name a few episodes ago. I'm like, that can't be the same guy. He's not a magician, and I'm like, oh shit, that is the same guy. Fairly prolific, I, I guess. yeah, exactly, yeah. And that rolls us into our last show, which is Bill and Ted's Excellent Halloween Adventure, of course. Yes, yes, of course. Uh, get. <laughs> yeah. uh, staple whether whether it's a good show or not you gotta see bill and Ted's. i don't know that it's ever been bad there's just been better than others but here's this year's show let me just cut right to it so the show opens and the, i'll tell you right now everything i'm about to tell you here if you say that was 2008 it was 2008 because i double check going there's no way this is 2008 and it was 2008 <laughs> so let's just answer that question right off the bat <laughs> so, opens with john mccain and barack obama both trying to win the audience over and that leads into the show warning. As the show warning kind of wraps up, Hillary Clinton comes out drunk, accusing Barack Obama of being bad to women politicians, which ends up with her tearing her business suit open, which leads to the opening song and dance, followed by, of course, We Will Rock You. So it's like the the, the names they have can barely never changed. Do- yeah. I was just going to say, they, they can't do Hillary Clinton without having her take off her clothes, right? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. It's so weird talking about it. I had to check. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, it's 2008. So so as as the show actually starts, when the We Will Rock You stops and the show starts, lights go dim. There is a loading and logon screen for the Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense appears on the big screen. And it is giving Hellboy his next assignment. Yes, Hellboy 2 is in 2008. Uh, 
So, and his assignment is to travel to Universal Studios and find two time traveling teens that have inadvertently picked up the crown of Bethmora, which controls the Golden Army. So, basically, Bill and Ted have interfered with the plot of Hellboy 2. Hellboy 2 was very underrated. I love Hellboy 2. I love both of them. I'm actually really upset to find out that it it sounds like, um, uh, uh, who's Hellboy? What's the actor's name? Oh, Ron Perlman's uh, not the next Hellboy. yeah, that's yeah. actually kind of upsetting because that's his character it's as far extremely, as I'm concerned. Well, it's extremely upsetting because he's been pushing to do the third Hellboy and that get too, yeah. the Hellboy trilogy done. And now they're, they're I think they're rebooting it at least. Yeah, so, so it's not going to yeah. be like a continuation, which is good. But I wish they would have given him his last go at the character because shit, he was good as Hellboy. I agree. I shit. agree. And it's he's it's good. He's good. He's good reading a phone book. <laughs> He's like, uh, what was it? Uh, there was a show on VH1 that used to be called Best Week Ever, and they'd have like these, um, I wouldn't say struggling comedians. You knew who they were, but they weren't headliners. They weren't, you know, Jerry Seinfeld, Robin Williams. God, right. am, I aiding, am I aging myself with those names? I guess I am. But yeah. it's like Paul Shearer was on it from the from the league. And this is a Paul Shearer joke, actually. Hellboy 2 came out, and he said, every script Ron Perlman picks up says enter huge hideously deformed monster in parentheses Ron <laughs> Perlman. <laughs> like that's true. That's true. Like the one of the few times I've seen him out of makeup was in Pacific Rim and he was awesome. Oh god, he was wicked in Pacific Rim. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so anyway, but to move on here, the as if on cue, of course, the time traveling phone booth arrives and out come Bill and Ted. They do her, their introduction. Now this year's stage, it's full of crates. Uh, Bill and Ted have been collecting pop culture icons of for all the years preparing for this, but they didn't do it alone. When you think of a bunch of room full of crates, who do you think of? Indy. There you go. Yep. Indiana Jones comes out on stage very slowly What's that? on a rascal. Oh, is that the Indiana Jones crystal skull year? It's the Indiana Jones crystal skull year. Oh, that's just cannon fodder for these guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. Uh, that one, I thought that was earlier too. I had to look that one up. That's the first one after Hellboy, actually. I take it back. It's after that. But yes, that that's, that's terrible. That's the second. Uh, actually, is that true? That's the first of two shots at Harrison Ford's age because he had uh, Han Solo in 25 with a walker. The Rascal is actually kind of funnier because they hear the music. It's not the music. It's the music with like two or three notes altered so they aren't right. infringing copyright. Very slowly wheeling himself out on a Rascal. It was awesome. That's awesome. So Indiana Jones is actually arriving to deliver one of the last artifacts to Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted pull out the... Uh, there's a box, so they pull the artifact out of the box, and it is, of course, the Crown of Beth Mora. So Indiana Jones explains what it actually does, ties it back to Hellboy 2, the Golden Army. And at that point, Prince, I'm going to say his name wrong, I think. I think it's Noda, Nuda? It's the prince, the white prince from Hellboy 2. He interrupts and comes on stage. He comes on stage to reclaim the crown and reclaim the entire earth and get rid of all his people. Again, the plot from Hellboy 2. Bill and Ted then posed the question, what would it be like if the world didn't have any people and they go, I know let's ask Will Smith. This is a double shot because <laughs> Will Smith dressed, comes out dressed as Hancocked, but he's accompanied by a stuffed German shepherd and the female <laughs> mannequin from I am legend. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. Now I am legend was, 
late 2007 and Hancock was 2008, but still falls within the realm of Bill and Ted for that year. Oh, Hancock is such an underrated movie. Yeah. So he has a real quick cameo. He just goes, it sucks, man. And he leaves stage with his stuffed German shepherd and his (laughs) mannequin. All right. Uh, So now Prince Nedda, whenever you say that, he's about to attack, but he's interrupted by a gunshot from Hellboy. And I really, really wish you guys could have seen. I think there's video of the first Hellboy, because this is the second time Hellboy showed up. The Hellboy makeup is one of the like most accurate makeups. They're all really good, but it's always depends on the actor's face. I guess the actor that they got to play Hellboy and the combination of the heavy makeup works so well that it's like, you're really doing a double take of whether or not you're looking at Ron Perlman on the Hellboy from Bill and Ted. This guy is awesome. That sounds pretty cool. So the gunshot interrupts him. So we got our face off. The prince, I'm just going to say the prince, I can't say his name. He announces that he's not alone. And he starts to unreal, un, unveil his backup from the crates that are on stage. So he opens one crate and it starts with the Predator. And yes, Predators was out <laughs> that year. Wow. That's it. I don't know if you saw that one. That one's awful. Awful. Really? I, I, I mean, it was, it was not a good Predator movie by any means, but it was still not a bad movie. I didn't mind it. it was, oh, I didn't like, I didn't it like good. it. Uh, it was worth a rental, I thought. Oh, actually, you know what? I take it back. Predators was 2010. It might be an Alien versus Predators year. I think mm. it probably was. I need to check. Uh, Requiem was 2007. Yes, it's an Alien versus Predator year. So, well, anyway, th- I really wanted to, uh, I didn't need to tell you that because I want to get to the next part because it's the biggest joke. The Predator comes out. Another great Predator costume. It's actually a prelude to 20. 20- Four is when we get Aliens versus Predator, and we saw how awesome those costumes were. This costume was just as awesome, including the dreadlocks, which goes into this joke because he's carrying a crystal skull. Oh, God. When they point out the crystal skull, and what is it for? He extends a tube on it and hits a lighter, and he's turned it into a bong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the perfect joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so we now we of course we need more help. So uh, Bill and Ted first summon their help, and first person to get is Sweeney Todd, the uh, Johnny Depp version, and the ladies from Sex in the City, uh, which Indiana Jones actually says skanks. Why did it have to be skanks? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, that is a good line. Yep. So there's some laughter from off stage and we get a new set of villains. The first one we get is the Joker from Dark Knight. So Heath Ledger's Joker. Joker announces to the audience that he is in a bit of a, he's he's starting his own bit of a uh, pop culture experiment and the audience must choose. Either he smashes the new iPhone full of illegally downloaded music to pieces or he blows up Miley, Molly, God damn it. I fucked that joke. Or he blows up Miley Cyrus. And this is the Hannah Montana version of Miley Cyrus. Even more annoying back then (laughs) with a combination of diesel fuel, gunpowder and pop rocks. So obviously the the audience unanimously agrees to blow up Miley Cyrus. The Joker pulls the trigger, and on the screen, the big screen above, we see a shot of Miley being blown up, but only does to survive and become Two Face. So there was no Two Face in that Batman, but of course in Batman Lord there is a Two Face. So now right. we get yeah we have an evil Miley Cyrus. So the Prince has enough of this banter, and the fight commence. 
the prince actually jumps onto the time traveling phone booth and escapes. Bill and Ted return to stage. They try to get the, they decide they don't want anything to do with the crown. So they need to get it as far away from them as possible. So they enlist some help in the form of speed racer to drive it by, to drive away with it. Wow, there was a lot of bad movies that year. Yeah, yeah. In fact, Speed Racer was not alone. Racer X also came rolling on stage. And I say rolling on stage because they did not arrive in cars, but they arrived on custom-painted green machines. Not big wheels, <laughs> green machines. Nice. Even worse. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> Bill and Ted continue to check crates for help, and they open one up where they find the Kung Fu Panda and Alvin and the Chipmunks. Oh, Even the <laughs> They keep looking. This one, I, I could not believe this was out this year. They keep looking. They open another one, and they uncover John Rambo. Remember oh, the, Rambo seek, the latest Jeez. Rambo movie? Yeah. That was 2008. Yeah, that, was, that was a terrible movie. John Rambo comes out immediately screaming, and commits <laughs> to pulverizing the Kung Fu Panda, which is just a great oh, image. Good. Now it would be hashtag but, panda, I mean, thanks to Jimmy Fallon. That's kind of weird because John Rambo movie, the whole thing I remember about that movie was it was a Rambo movie where Rambo didn't do shit. You see, just he shot up a bunch of, uh, what was it, Indonesian pirates in the last 20 minutes. 20 seconds. It's like, okay, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's like he had like Other than that, it was just seven words brooding. in that movie. Yeah. Yep. Hey. So, huh. so. N- <laughs> I did mention Alvin and the Chipmunks are there. So while John Rambo is beating the hell out of the Kung Fu Panda, Alvin and the Chipmunks are singing a high-pitched version of Let the Bodies Hit the Floor. (laughs) That's funny. Uh, Rambo ends this by knocking out Vanda and pulling his machine gun and gunning down, pulling out his machine gun and gunning down the Chipmunks, which I think we can all get behind. Uh, Agreed. Yeah, I don't yeah. think anyone's arguing that that should have happened in the get-go. So yeah. um, now we have some more heroes arrive in the form of Angelina Jolene. She's actually in the midst of explaining to Bill and Ted how to defeat evil by first taking out the Miley Cyrus two-faced character. As this happens, the Predator returns. Uh, he corners Bill and Ted. The lights dim and X-Files music plays and Mulder and Scully come out on stage. And I didn't look this up, but that must mean that the second X-Files movie came out that year. Yeah, that's right. They did movies. Yeah, yeah it must have been. I didn't look that one up because I just, I think I equated that with the revival show, which was like only a couple of years ago, or last year. So yeah. I, I, I forgot to look that up, but it must be that, was it the fight for the future or fight the power or power on power to max Black power. Power to speed, something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Scully gives one of her, um, uh, I guess you'd say, signature monologues about her doubts of what's going on. And while this happens, the Predator actually assaults and kills Mulder. So kind of actually explains, shows her, yes, this is real. So shut up. So the oh, phone booth. That's re- awesome, actually. What's that? I said that's awesome, actually. <laughs> the phone booth returns. Aliens the- aren't real. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and with that probably that clicking noise that I can't do. Right. Um the phone booth returns. Either. The prince jumps out. He grabs Bill and Ted by the throats. He's going to kill them both until Hellboy returns and interrupts with the original he says with his backup, the original Iron Man. And no, it's not Tony Stark. Exactly. It is a mashup of the Wizard of Oz Tin Man and Iron Man. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he also brings another superhero or alludes to a superhero. He says he also has the incredible Hulk Hogan. So not the Hulk we're expecting, but the different Hulk. Uh, so now we're down to the final fight. We know how that goes. Someone gets blown up in the barn. Someone goes down the trap door. I think the trap door still existed on the stage at that point. Uh, basically, we get the run back and forth. Um, in fact, oh, I, I kind of blew the lead because it says <laughs> the prince is chased into the barn. Hellboy shoots out at the barn, explodes, and that leads to the grand finale song and dance. Songs featured this year. Uh, yeah, wondering when the barn was finally going to explode. It always ha- always has to explode, yes, and it's when the prince is inside. So, uh, final song and dance. It starts with Rihanna, uh, goes into Please Don't Stop the Music, and then ends with Run DMZ, Aerosmith, Walk This Way. And that is Bill and Ted 18, or Bill and Ted, actually, that's 17, Bill and Ted for HHN 18 2008. Very good, Bill and Ted, because you had a great mixture of characters you liked and characters you liked to hate i thought and that always makes it good yeah the the characters that you don't like to hate is always good yep the the big thing for me i mean i think the predator is one of the most well-designed aliens in any movie history and then just flat out acknowledging the dreadlocks that everyone's always wondered about and make him a a crystal crystal skull bong smoking rasta alien whatever you want to call it is hilarious i mean that just sealed the deal for me on that one I do enjoy uh, this especially one. since that it's especially since kingdom of crystal skull skull looked a lot like an alien skull. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's true. You, it did. You're right. right. Yep. Yep. And, and a predator smoking out of an alien skull is just perfect for the, the yeah. uh, predator versus alien stuff. It's, it, you're it's exactly just, right. yeah. it, it works in so many ways. It's just yep. awesome. Yep. <laughs> so good. Bill and Ted for sure. So, that is it for the shows. I got a couple notes. Um, I don't think I sent you the ride list, but the, the ride list, I think, is on the, uh, isn't it on the map anyway? It's, it uh, was on the map, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, it's a very, there, actually, there was, a very actually, short actually, list. A, yeah. Uh, we got Men in Black, Alien Attack. The Simpsons ride was open this year, which is kind of cool because I think that was one of the first years of the Simpsons ride. Uh, Disaster was open, which, yeah. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> and Revenge of the Mummy. Revenge of the Mummy, yep. Which... Revenge of the Mummy is still a great ride. I still like going on it, and it's it's always suitable for Halloween. Besides that, I have some more quick fun things to to share. Um, thousands characters per night on staff each night of this Damn. year's Halloween Horror Nights. That's a lot. They I can't had it's gone down. What's that? I said I can't imagine it's gone down. Oh no, it hasn't. I'm sure it hasn't. Um, they no. had five specialty drinks that year. They had a Malaysian Mary, which is Island Spices, Grey Goose, and Secret Ingredients, which that sounds a little worrisome. A Blue Zombie, yeah. which is Blue Caracoa, Bacardi O, and Pineapple Juice, which it's is Carousel. Blue Bacardi. Carousel? What? Blue Carousel? Blue Carousel. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Well, let's spell it yeah. wrong then. Yes. Okay. Well, <laughs> well then it's a Blue mu- It's a Blue Mummy. Or, uh, yeah, Blue Mummy, a Blue Carousel, Bacardi O, and Pineapple Juice. Witches Brew with Bacardi O, Bacardi Raz, Blue Carousel, and Fruit Juice. Uh, Poison Pineapple with Bacardi Apple, Jim Beam. Ooh. Oh. (laughs) Jim Beam, Cranberry Juice, and Sprite. Oh. That one sounds awful. That sounds nasty. Yeah. And then the Ripper, which is Bacardi Raz, Cranberry Juice, and a splash of Sprite. That'd be good. Yeah, that one's not so bad. Ooh, I don't know why you'd throw Jim Beam in blue. A lot of blue shit going on that year. Which is considering the... 
theme is Bloody Mary. And you know, you'd, you'd think there'd be more of red drinks, but yeah. Oh, yeah. But that is it. That's all I have for 18. So I guess we can just close out with what is on your way back machines for uh, mazes and scare zones. Yeah. <sighs> Believe it or not, for scare zones, this is tough. I can see that. Uh, Karen, scare zone. <laughs> so tough, I'm going to throw it to Karen. <laughs> right. Yeah, thanks. But actually, I figured mine out already. Am I going? You going? No. I'll go. I'll go. I'll give okay. you a little more time. Since I had been there, it'll be a repeat for me. Path of the Wicked. I've never seen anything like that. I've never seen anything since that. Houses actually are more are tougher for me, but I think as much as I love body collectors, which I do, I really think I'd be going back to Interstellar Terror if I had one shot to go back and see one thing. I think that's my those are my choices. Okay. Yeah, those are my choices. Okay. <laughs> Straight up. I, um, I, I want to see the monkeys flying over the Plaza of the Stars. I want to see, you know, the all of those things that you described in Path of the Wicked. That just sounds wicked. It really does. Yeah. And yeah, Interstellar Terror is just a no-brainer for me. All right. What do you got, Karen? Um, I think for Scare Zones, I'd want to see uh, Asylum in Wonderland. Really? That like that had a lot of really cool visual yeah. Going on no, as well. that's not a bad choice. I just didn't expect that. Yeah. And then take a stroll through the schoolhouse while I'm there. <laughs> Can't pick two. Can't well, pick two. I have to take a thro- stroll through the schoolhouse to get to the reflections of no, you fear, don't. which would be the maze that I would. Yes, I do. Oh, <laughs> all right. All right. If you go to more than one, the Florida. Wayback Machine creates, rips a, a hole in the space-time fabric space-time space continuum time. yeah well then how do, do i that. get back to reflections of fear because no you matter gotta what get I've back on pass. the on the wayback machine oh. and take it to reflections of fear yeah. <laughs> everyone knows how the wayback machine works come on oh my bad i, I misunderstood <laughs> i did not know that by now uh, right 250 uh, episodes Quinn this, has used it in wrong evil fashions so i figured i could <laughs> That's true. That's true. I have really yeah, do not model anything I'll, I'll, you do in life after Quint. That's that's the only advice I have to the world. That's a good point. <laughs> no argument. I really can't argue that. Um, <laughs> yeah, you do don't want to be where I am. No. <laughs> well, actually, that's not true. Where I am, that is not bad. You don't want to be who I am. That's yeah. the real key. That is. <laughs> the so re- so re- shudders as she says it. That's the funny part. <laughs> yeah, reflections of fear. That yeah, we didn't let's yeah. not ignore that. That's the one you'd want to see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that sounds like it's really cool. That's awesome. It's, right. It has so much to do with the, the the icon of the ear. It just yeah. it stands out to me as something that there's not a whole lot of bad choice when it comes to um the mazes if you take Doomsday out. So I mean, yeah. I was just game, gonna really. say other. Other than Doomsday, there's not a really a bad thing in no. in the whole event. True. Yeah. Like, I didn't hear anything negative about, uh, at least nothing really negative about any of the scare zones. I didn't hear anything really negative about any of the mazes except Doomsday, and, and mostly because it was just modeled after a bad movie. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is off the heels of Carnival of Carnage, which is my all-time favorite. And I got nothing bad to say about this year. So they're, they're, we're in the icon era, which I 
I don't think is any, I think everybody that's been a fan of this that has been going and even people learning about it are huge fans of this is, um, this is one of the high points of it. I, I hate to say, I don't, I don't mean, I don't want to say it is the high point because there are various ones, but this is one we're in a, a huge upswing. So we've got some great years and 18 is absolutely among those great years. So I, I think I would say as, as one, if I have to, pick a negative about this year other than doomsday i would say that the icon is not as strong of an icon as as we've had in the past and kind of gets buried within all of the stuff that surrounds the legend that the legend kind of is just kind of like oh that's cool and all but the product of the legend is much better than you know the whole legend itself yeah it got really complex and kind of intricate and you lose a lot when you get that much detail. I think, I don't know. Yep. It was just like, in order to understand everything, you had to go so deep, which again, for, for people who are digging through the forums and all that stuff is very cool. But for a casual goer, they wouldn't know any of that stuff. And they would just say, Oh, wow, these are all cool stuff, but they wouldn't put it together. Nope. You're right there. And it's also, as you were saying that something occurred to me, once you tell this story, you're kind of at the end of the story. She's not going to come back and do anything different if she comes back necessarily. I mean, they could write that she does something, but then you're, you're stepping out of the bounds of the, the legend that she's built around. So this is kind of it for this story. It's like with Jack, it's endless chance. It's endless as well. Bloody Mary, this is kind of the end of her story. So we're, I mean, I could see why they're done. And maybe that's why we haven't seen her again. She just might be done with 18. And I guess if I have one other complaint, it's that there's a lot of these things that were kind of wedged into her uh, story because they've gone and they've taken like, especially like body collectors, asylum in wonderland, uh, things like that. They've the, the scary tales and stuff. They've taken those and splintered them off into their own stuff. Yes. Yep. And they were just kind of, kind of shoehorned into her thing right oh yeah i mean that's and that's that's where you you blur that line between making a story for the hardcore fans and and making your event of course accessible to the rest of the world yeah 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 i know i'm just saying like we've said we've said a lot of positive things about this year and i don't want to take away from that i'm just like now i'm picking the nits that yep that we eventually have to because that's part of the show that we do is exactly pick yeah. some of the nits and and these yeah. are really nitpicky things that i'm talking about now it's like if i have to pick the nits these are the ones sounds like a great year to go to it is it is it's like it, it, it's 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 great for both sides too it's great for uh, uh it's just a strong event and you need you can put all that backstory and and hidden stuff you want in there but if you walk in there and you're not enjoying what you're seeing outside of that what's the point so it's 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 a very good year um it's just it's if you were to ask me like i said i i use 17 as an example whenever i try to convince somebody or or lead or talk about the history of halloween Horror nights i start with 17 and just kind of pick from from there this kind of gets lost because it preceded 17 and that's unfair because it's a strong year so um right that's I, that's all I have to say and more. I think <laughs> I think we well covered it. So, all right. So that will wrap up 18. So we'll pick up with our next year, which is obviously 19, which is the introduction of the Usher. So another icon, another story to tell. And then we kind of start taking a step from what leads out of the icon era that we still got a couple years to go 
when we get into what is the heavy licensed era, if you, for lack of a better term, I'm out to look up what the community term for that is when we get to it. But until then, I'll say thank you for listening. Of course, if you want to follow us on our social media pages, where we do everything under our uh, website name, which is Neozaz or Neozaz Podcast on Facebook, Neozaz on Twitter, and Neozaz on Instagram. Um, everything else that we do, the articles that we publish, the other Universal Studios coverage that we do, which we do a fair bit of, is also at neozaz.com. So check that out if you're a fan of the park as well as the event. And I guess that's it. So like I said, we'll be be back with uh, covering Halloween Horror Nights 19. So until then, thank you for listening, and we'll see you in that next episode. Thank you for listening to the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights podcast. The Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights is a Neozaz Internet Entertainment production. For more great podcasts and original entertainment, visit our website at neozaz.com. The Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights is not affiliated with nor endorsed by Universal Studios Florida. All Halloween Horror Nights properties, icons, titles, events, and related items are property, trademark, and copyright, Universal Studios, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. For more Halloween Horror Nights coverage, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast and follow our Twitter account at Neozaz. To help support the series and all the work we do at Neozaz, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.